Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Picking Up Rubber. I am your host, Justin Russo, and it's been a while since I've been back here, so we got a lot to go over. First, we're going to go over the race last weekend in Spa, talk about all that happened there. Got some driver market updates as well as we bled into the summer break right back into the second half of the season, and we'll finally wrap up with a preview of this weekend's race at Zandvoort. Should be a fun one. So, first of all, let's look back to what happened last weekend at Spa. Max Verstappen, it, who is going to stop him at this point? It does not seem like you can throw anything at him in his current form to where he's going to be thrown off his game or he's going to lose a race. It, it's truly incredible what he's been able to put together. He has nine wins on the season. <laughs> We've gone through 14 rounds. He has nine wins on the season. It's absolutely incredible. And again, another win at Spa. Started in 14th. Got a little lucky. He had Pierre Gasly in front of him. who had to start from the pit lane, so had a little bit of an open spot there on the grid. But as he said, he just tried to stay out of everyone's way on lap one. He knew he was starting in the back. He wasn't going to make up all those spots on lap one. So he just went into the source, into the first corner, and said, you know what, just stay out of trouble. Things will eventually work out my way. And that's exactly how it happened for him. Got up to eighth at the end of the first lap. Six spots gained. Had a really good start. Passed Alex Albon, I believe, and a couple other guys. And then... The crash with Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso happens, which we'll get into in a moment, but that brings out the safety car, bunches the field back up, and all of a sudden he's only seven, eight seconds behind the leader, Carlos Sainz at that time, and every lap, and he even said it, it just felt like every lap he was getting one car. He would come up from Eau Rouge, go down the Kemmel Straight, and he was passing a car, and one of the passes that particularly caught my eye was on Fernando Alonso. I mean, they showed the overhead angle at the time when he was behind Fernando and he was going down the straight. He rocketed past Fernando, Fernando Alonso, and that is not a slow Alpine. I mean, that is one of the cars on the grid we know has a lot of straight-line speed. Did not matter for Max Verstappen. He was right by him. It made it look way too easy. It's a combination of what Red Bull put into the setup this weekend and, and the developments they've made to the car over the summer break, but Max was just in, in rare form, in different form, uh, this past weekend at Spa. So credit goes to him for that one, and eventually he made his way up right behind Sergio Perez, Carlos Sainz pitted, so it was first and second at the time. Flies by Perez, flies by Sainz, and and by half race distance, it looked like he was going to run away with the race, which is exactly what he did. I, it was, it reminded me a lot of what we saw from Lewis Hamilton in the past few years, where all the memes on online is, oh, he makes it into the first corner, and I'm out. Race is over. Lewis Hamilton's in the lead. It's over. But that that's what it felt like. It just felt, and, and these last few races have felt like, it feels like he is so dominant that no matter what you throw his way, I mean, we were talking in Hungary when he started 10th. I mean, that track is usually a death sentence if you're not starting in at least the first two rows if you're trying to win the race. I mean, it did not matter for him at all. Threw in a little 360 <laughs> just, just for fun, you know, in front of Charles Leclerc so he could pass him again. Really incredible stuff that Max has going on. Yes, Ferrari have thrown away some opportunities they've whether it's the driver making an error like Leclerc did in France or it's the car not being there with all the numerous engine blow-ups and issues they've had technically over the first half of the season yes they haven't been there but Max is consistently just there every single weekend whether he's picking up the pieces that Ferrari have left for him or whether he's just going out and taking it on his own I mean he is just there every weekend that's all you got to ask for your top driver right he is in the mix every weekend and you see these top teams, look at his teammate, Sergio Perez, same car. Obviously, Sergio had a really good race in Spa, P2, 17 seconds behind. He started 12 spots ahead of Max Verstappen, and he finished 17 seconds behind in the same car. I mean, that's just ridiculous. I mean, it's there's not much more to say at this point. I 
I think any hope that we were probably holding out that the championship was still on and that Leclerc can somehow get Ferrari there and, you know, maybe get there by the end of the year. I don't know if I have that hope anymore. I don't think a lot of people have that hope, maybe outside of uh, the people back in Marinello at, at Scuderia Ferrari. It's He is just running away with his championship. And if you look at the standings, he's he's in second. Uh, Sergio Perez is in second, that is. So Red Bull now are in the top two. Charles Leclerc, only five points behind in third. But, I mean, he's just not really in the picture. Max is over 90 points ahead of second place. He can essentially have about four or five DNFs in a row and probably still have a great chance of winning the championship. Yeah, he might be behind someone, but it's just incredible how much of a cushion he's built up. And you look at the tracks that are still left, Sandvoort this weekend, strong track for him. Abu Dhabi, last race of the year, another strong track. I mean, Interlagos, he runs well. Mexico City, you know, I'm just thinking of more. A lot of tracks that he and Red Bull run very well at towards the back half of the year, and I just don't know if there's anything that anyone can do about it unless Ferrari somehow conjure up some amazing upgrade here or just find some pace that they were lacking in Spa. I I don't know what there is to do anymore. And I think they'll have more pace in Zanfort. That's kind of the slower track that you know suits the Ferrari a little better. But, yeah, I just don't know how much – I mean, they, how, they look at how much they need to recover. I mean, Carlos Sainz wasn't even a factor in that race. I mean, he started on pole. He led a lot of the first half of the race, and he wasn't even in the picture by the time it ended. George Russell was chasing him down for B3. I mean, he he was – the Ferraris look like they're more – at this point, they're closer to Mercedes, which that's not great if you're Ferrari. From where you were at the beginning of the season – Yes, Mercedes have made gains, but you should not be down there. You should be fighting with Red Bull like you have been. And again, we'll see. I think it's going to be a lot closer. I think the setup on the Ferrari probably wasn't the best. You know, uh, the Red Bull, and it's been like this all season, right? The Red Bull's been faster in the straights. Ferrari's been faster in the corners. It, it just, the whole package wasn't there for Ferrari this weekend. And that was that was rough to see. So we'll get into a little bit of Zanvoort as we get later in the episode. I'll talk about the preview there, but... Just dominant from Max Verstappen. What more can you say? The dude's on fire. He's looking like a sure bet to win his second championship. And um, at any race for the rest of the season, I, I'll essentially just I'm just going to pick him to win every single race until he proves me wrong. Right? I mean, how can you see what he's done the last three races, especially the last two, starting outside the top ten? How can you see what he's done those last two races and not pick him? I mean, it's just incredible. So. Moving on from Max, we'll we'll get into a lot of Max. You know, he's the he's the talk of the town. But let's go to that crash I was mentioning from Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso. It was nice to see they made up. Uh, for, <laughs> Lewis had made a joke. He signed a cap for Fernando Alonso. And uh, Mercedes posted a picture today on Twitter saying, hey, Fernando came to get his cap. So it looks like they're, you know, they made up a little bit. And obviously there was some words said, especially by Fernando at the time when the crash happened. But you're in the car. I mean, that that's the adrenaline going through you in the car. 90% of the time, those guys don't actually mean what they say. You're just in the moment. You're going 200 miles an hour and some guy hits you. You're not going to be that happy. So I, I'm not that happy when some anyone hits me at 10 miles an hour. So I can't even imagine what the feeling is like at 200 miles an hour. So into the incident itself, it's for P2 at the moment. Perez had a little bit of a bad start. Hamilton and Alonso come out of turn one ahead of Perez. They're going up Eau Rouge. Alonso in P2 ahead of Hamilton, and Lewis trying to get alongside him. He ends up going to the outside on that first turn of, of the Lacombe chicane, and he just does not leave Fernando any space. And Lewis owned up to it. He said, hey, 
That was my fault. I thought I left him the space on the inside. I did not. And it ended up with Lewis Hamilton's car looking like this, looking straight up and down almost. It was a huge impact. I'm glad to see Lewis is okay, obviously, too. Because, man, that was, I mean, I've rarely you ever see an F1 car like that get picked up like that and slam back down. And ironically, one of the few times that I can remember is Max Verstappen on Lewis Hamilton's car last year in, in Monza. But clearly Lewis Hamilton's fault. I, th- I think we're everything's mended at this point, but there's a lot of tension at the time. Fernando saying, oh, this guy's such an idiot. Oh, he only knows how to drive from the front. And, you know, again, that's just tensions rising right there. But it was... Um, you know, it, that's what brought out the safety car, by the way, that, that huge crash. And Lewis was kind of limping around there for a little bit. He, you could tell he was holding up people. And for a second, I was like, is he really going to get away from this crash and go? No way. And then they came on the radio and told him to stop later in the lap. But yeah, Fernando, thankfully for Fernando, didn't really impact his race. Looked like he had a little bit of damage on the front wing and, and the front part of the car. But for the most part, looked looked pretty good and ended up finishing P5. So really solid result for him. And yeah, and you look at the replay, Fernando, he was really riding the curb on the inside. I mean, we know Fernando's an aggressive racer, but he gave a lot of space to Lewis, and Lewis gave none of it back. So that's that's one on Lewis there. That's unfortunate. Um, but I think we can let bygones be bygones on that one. Looking elsewhere down the grid, I mean, a good week for Aston Martin, right? Uh, you get Sebastian Vettel, P8, Lance Stroll, P11. Would have liked that double points finish, but Aston's a very up and down team you never really know what you're going to get with them some circuits really suit their car other circuits they are nowhere to be found the qualifying pace is usually what you know gets them down because even at circuits where they're good in the race they just they can't seem to qualify the car i mean every saturday it feels like one of them is out in q1 and sebastian's had a bad streak of it lately but car is just not there so it was a good to see them having a good week seb was up there fighting again he was up in fifth for a lot of the race until uh the pit stop phases and some guys are able to get past him but then let's look at mclaren i mean what <sighs> mclaren have really been struggling lately and i saw a couple people bring this up you know they they're not getting kind of the not the hate but not a lot of people are recognizing how bad they've been this season because ferrari has been such a disaster at the front just throwing away opportunities left and right but I mean, McLaren have gone nowhere. This is a team last year that consistently was fighting for top fives, top threes, a lot of podiums, a win last year with Daniel Ricciardo, and they're just nowhere to be found. Lando Norris down in 12th, obviously had the engine penalty, and then Daniel Ricciardo in 15th. They were both kind of part of that DRS train behind Alex Albon, who was in 10th, who, by the way, Alex Albon, shout out, gets another point for Williams, a huge one for him. That's really all you can ask for Williams, right? I mean, he he... He's picking up points here and there. Obviously, very small points. He's only finished 10th. But in a Williams, I mean, that's uh, that's all you really have to say, right? In a Williams. When we say George Russell last year qualifying P2, in a Williams. You know, that's the that's the whole thing. And he's done a great job. And I don't know if we I don't know if we see Nicholas Satifi in that seat next year. You know, obviously, I'll get into the driver market as well. But, man, he, he has really cemented his spot. And it's good to see him come back after the struggles that he had at Red Bull that cursed second seat that Gasly couldn't fill, that Albon couldn't fill. You know, they just had so much trouble. Kvyat couldn't fill. They finally, they got Sergio Perez, who has been a reliable driver, a good veteran driver for them. And you see he's still way off of Max Verstappen a lot of the time, but he's been much, much better than a lot of those young guys they tried to fit in that seat after Daniel Ricciardo left in 20, 2018, that is. So with that in Spa, let's, as I said, we'll move on to the driver market a little bit, recap in Spa. 
honestly a really underwhelming race if you watched it. I think a lot of us were hoping that, you know, with Leclerc and Verstappen, Alonso, not Alonso, sorry, Norris, you know, Ocon all the way at the back of the grid that, you know, they'd be fighting through and it'd be great. And by like lap 15, they'd all made their way to the front and Max had checked out. And you're like, oh man, this uh, this didn't really pan out, did it? But anyway, let's move on to the driver market. Last time uh, we talked, uh, it was rumored, you know, is Piastri going to go to McLaren? That seemed to be the move after Fernando Alonso left for Aston Martin. That seems official, we'll say. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo was officially announced that he will not be returning to McLaren next year. The team and him have mutually agreed to part ways. He had an extra year on his contract that was supposed to run out at the end of next year. They both decided that this year is good enough for them. So Daniel Ricciardo, a free agent now, and we all essentially know and think or know that that's Oscar Piastri's seat. Now we're trying to wait and see what the contract board of the FIA says about can he actually race in McLaren? Is that contract legal? Does he have to go back to Alpine? How does that all work? We're going to get that figured out soon. The meeting started this week. The hearing started this week. So who knows when we'll find a result, but hopefully relatively soon, because that is going to be a huge key to moving along a lot of these other moves. And obviously, if he stays at Alpine, it's like, what do they do with him, right? I mean, there was rumors that they wanted to put him in the Williams, which is probably why he wanted to get out of the system and wanted to go to McLaren. And then Fernando Alonso just really screwed over Alpine by leaving and saying, see you guys. Their backup plan was just totally, I mean, thrown out the window because I think Alpine were in a position where they they thought they had everything right. You know, they thought, okay, we're going to have Fernando for a couple more years. We'll keep Oscar happy by putting him in a Williams, and then we'll move him up to Alpine. And once Fernando left and Oscar, you know, had opportunities elsewhere, it just all fell apart for Alpine. So really bad for them. Um, yeah, not much more to say. I mean, they really mishandled the situation, but there's rumors of some other drivers that they might be able to pick up. It was rumored that they had a 14 driver list that they were looking at. Some of them, you know, the biggest rumors lately have been around Pierre Gasly. Obviously they already have one French driver. They're a French team. That would be the second French driver they could get in formula one, Pierre Gasly. And I think that would be a great move because Pierre Gasly, I think has, Rightfully so, he was sent back down to the sister team for Red Bull, AlphaTauri. He got his chance at Red Bull, did not perform, was sent back down, and he's kind of been stuck down there, right? There's, there hasn't really been a place for him because of Sergio Perez moving to Red Bull, and just the way the driver market has fallen hasn't had a lot of opportunities elsewhere. I think this would be an amazing opportunity for Pierre Gasly, though, because, again, the French connection, you know, he's a French driver to the French team. And he goes to a manufacturer, too. Don't forget, Alpine is, they're not a customer team. They are a manufacturer. They don't have any customer teams. Nobody else has their engine anymore with, you know, a couple teams leaving. McLaren left for Mercedes a couple years ago. But I think that'd be a great move for him because I think he's been looking for something to get out of that Red Bull system, right? Because as much as Red Bull obviously want to keep as much talent as they can, as long as they have Sergio Perez in that seat, there's really no need for anybody else, right? I mean... They're set to win the Constructors' Championship. They're looking at their second straight Drivers' Championship, so there's no reason for Red Bull to move Perez out of that seat. And they have a ton of talent in that Red Bull Junior system from, I mean, Liam Lawson, Yuri Vips. <laughs> they used to have Yuri Vips. Um, you know, so many guys down in F2 and F3 that they have, and 
there's just not enough seats. And it's interesting to see what happens at AlphaTauri because especially if Gasly leaves, what happens to Sonoda? He hasn't exactly had the greatest year. Now, I don't think the car's that great this year either. I think both of the results of, of Gasly and Sonoda suggest that. But we'll see what happens with him. Potentially be another seat open as well. I think Gasly would be a good fit at Alpine, though. I think that's the one that makes sense. It gets him out of that Red Bull system that he's wanted out of. You know, he can just kind of have a clean slate, start anew, and just go off with Alpine and, and, and see what he can do there. So I think that would be a great one. There's rumors that Daniel Ricciardo might go to, to Alpine. I think for him, that's obviously the best fit, right? That's the best team that has an opening. But I think you look and he already left them. You know, he wouldn't, they were Renault a couple years ago. He was at that team. That really didn't work out. Obviously, Cyril Abitbull, the former team principal at Al, Alpine, or Renault, if you, call, if you want to call it, that is. Um, he's gone now. So new people in there. Obviously, they said they would welcome Daniel Ricciardo back, you know, but they have a list. They're going to work through it. And if Daniel doesn't go to, to Alpine and it ends up being Gasly, I really think that, like, I think Haas would be a good fit for him, you know, and obviously as an American, I can, I can speak a little better on it, but an American team, he is beloved here in the States, you know, from his performance, if you will, in Drive to Survive, the way he, you know, was on that show and carried himself on that show. A lot of people here in the States love him. They like his energy. They like his vibe. I think he would do great. You know, the American market, I think, would just eat it up. You know, I think they would love him. I think that, um, I feel like, you know, that's kind of a good environment for him as well. I think Kevin Magnuson and he would, you know, two veteran drivers for Haas, be a nice fit for them as they, you know, still trying to work their way back up the grid. They've been up and down again this season too, but I think that'd be really good. I, I think that's the spot of, I mean, realistically, there's Alpine, Williams, or Haas. Do you really want to go to Williams? Does, does Williams really want him at that point? They have a lot of young drivers as well. So I think, for me, I think Daniel Ricciardo should go to Haas. So Gasly to Alpine, Ricciardo to Haas. Where does that leave that last Williams seat, right? Because, and remember, th this would mean that Mick Schumacher's out of a seat too. He left the Ferrari Driver Academy. So if we have a Williams seat available, where does Mick Schumacher go? And that that's the real question. Does he go to Alpine as well? Does does he maybe, does he go to Aston Martin and kind of sit behind Alonso for a year or two? You know, I don't think that's what they want. Does he go to AlphaTauri? Does he join the Red Bull system? A lot of moving parts here. I think that's probably the most realistic, though. I, if I had to make predictions, I, I would say Gasly to Alpine, Ricardo to Haas. I think Schumacher goes over to AlphaTauri to partner Sonoda or one of the other young drivers there at Red Bull. And for Williams, I think Logan Sargent gets that seat. And again, I'm an American. Logan Sargent is, would be the first American driver in 15 years in Formula One. I think that would be great. Um, Logan, and to you know, a lot of these rumors that come out of whether it's Colton Herta or a lot of these guys in IndyCar, that's a little different, right? Because you need the FIA super license is what it's called. You need a certain amount of points in whatever series you're racing in to obtain this super license to show that you are able and capable to race in Formula One. It's a little tougher when you're in the States, you know, just logistically, IndyCar, the way the points work's a little different. Plus, the cars are a lot different. The environment's a lot different, right, in Europe and, and between the United States and Europe. Logan Sargent's been in the junior formula categories all the way up. You know, he's went from F4, F3. He's in F2 right now. He won a race in F2 this year. He's been doing extremely well. And I think that would be a perfect fit for Williams, you know. Again, talk about the the team that needs money at the bottom of the grid. Maybe not as much as they have before. Obviously, they would just keep Latifi. He brings in a lot of money if they needed it that much. But 
Logan Sargent's going to bring in a huge American audience. I think a lot of people would love him. He's a good driver, too. You'd have two young drivers in Albon and Sargent who have a lot of potential. I think we've seen what we need to see from Nicholas Latifi at this point. He has his moments. I, you know, Obviously, everyone says he's bad. At the crash this week, didn't really help out his case, but you know, I think that he had his moments, right? Hungry last year gets the points. He's been in and around the points a couple of times. Had the P10 in qualifying this year in, in Silverstone. I just, we've seen what we need to see, right? I mean, George Russell has dominated dominated him, that is, throughout his time there. Albon has really dominated him throughout his time qualifying and the race. Yeah, sure, he gets gets one here and there, but this is his third year in the Williams car. Yeah, the regulations have changed, I know, but this is third year with the team. He should be a lot more comfortable. Albon, completely new, and he's just, he's wiping the floor with him, you know? He's getting the little points that the team does get, he's getting all of them, right? So... I think that's there's not much more you're getting out of Latifi. I think he's really reached his ceiling. Of course, you know he'd probably do a little better in a better car, right? But that opportunity's not there, and he's not going to get that opportunity because he hasn't shown enough in the small team like George Russell or Alex Albon are doing to really warrant a spot in any other car. So that's kind of where I stand on the driver predictions. Again, I think officially, I think Gasly's going to go to Alpine. I think Daniel Ricciardo goes to Haas. I think Logan Sargent goes to Williams, and I think Mick Schumacher goes to AlphaTauri. So that's that's where I think things stand right now. Let me know what you think in the comments or on social media. Obviously, a lot of this will probably be settled in the next couple of weeks, hopefully the next couple of weeks, but you don't want this going too deep into the season. But yeah, so that's that's the you know the driver market, and that's it, it's interesting. Um, not as interesting in the past couple of years, I think, you know, but I think the, the main thing is this Piastri to McLaren saga. Uh, the, I think the, the big bombs are, are kind of behind us in the, you know, the Alonzo surprise that no one saw coming. I think a lot of things are kind of telegraphed at the moment, and we'll see if they play out that way. They might play out a completely different way, but I think the way a lot of things are moving with, you know, Gasly kind of hinting and, and that he wants out of Red Bull's umbrella, which you could tell once he got kicked off the main Red Bull team. Mick Schumacher leaving the Ferrari Driver Academy. Obviously, Haas, a customer team of Ferrari. So I think the writing's on the wall for a lot of these moves, but we'll see how they come to fruition. And, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see. And it should be a, a fun little addition to the actual F1 season. So finally, as we get into the latter part here, let's let's preview Zandvoort this weekend. So second year in a row, we're back at the Circuit Zandvoort, the Dutch Grand Prix. Last time that F1 was there was 1985. The track made some changes, and we were back last year. It was an absolute madhouse. I mean, it was orange everywhere, orange T-shirts, orange smoke, orange everything for Max Verstappen, obviously his home race. People were loving him there, and he got the support all weekend. It was so fun to see the crowd reactions to everything that he did. I mean, even you know, especially when he crossed the finish line, the smoke goes up and turn up to the max, and you know all the orange shirts. Everyone's going crazy. It was just great to see the atmosphere there is so fun. The, the track itself is a little tough. It's kind of it's like a little bit of a better hungry, if you will. You know, the, the overtaking is a little easier due to some of the natures of the corners, but a lot of that middle sector is really narrow and it's really kind of single file. And again, there's opportunities, more opportunities than there are in a place like Hungary, but. A lot of the overtaking you're going to get is going to be on that main straight into turn one and the back straight, which I believe is after turn 10. So this year, too, there's some changes to the track or a change that's really big. So if you don't know Zandvoort, 
there are two turns on the track that were altered before F1 came back, and they were altered to have an 18-degree banking. So similar to what you see in NASCAR, right? Most of the F1 tracks are flat. Yeah, they'll have a little camber here and there, just the nature of the circuit. You know, you have hills like Eau Rouge will go up. These are straight. I mean, it looks like a bowl. I mean, you're going into a huge banking right there. And that's turn three and the final turn, which is turn 14. They both have the same exact 18-degree banking. Now, last year, obviously, there's two DRS zones. You can open up the DRS, the drag reduction system, when you're within one second behind a car in front and in the race. So you can open that up to get a speed advantage to help you overtake because it's a little hard to overtake in Formula 1. Whether that's too powerful or not, that's a conversation for a different day. But essentially, what they did last year is they started that DRS on the main straight. Now, the main straight's not that long. This is the second shortest track on the F1 calendar. The main straight's not that long, so overtaking was a little difficult, especially with last year's cars, right? You know, they weren't able to follow through that last corner very well, and then they got the DRS, and then, you know, they could they could go about their way. This year, they made a change. So they've added, they've moved back the DRS, right? So that final turn that goes into the main straight, you, last year you had the DRS after that turn. This year, and, and this is, again, this is because of safety issues, right? Because... When you open the DRS, the car is a lot less stable in the corners, right? You don't you don't have a rear wing anymore, so you don't have a lot of downforce. So if you have the rear wing open and you go to turn, car's not going to turn, or you know it's it's going to be all over the place because you don't have that wing. Put the wing back down, make you know you break for the corner, you get all that downforce back, right? Now they're going to put the DRS zone back to where you can open the DRS before that last corner starts. So that's going to be really interesting to see what we're going to get in that last corner. I'm curious to see if we get any accidents or how tentatively the drivers, you know, take that corner, you know, how, how are they going to take it? Right. Because you don't want to crash and spin out. Let's go say it's FP one, for instance, you don't want to crash and spin out, but that corner is flat and it is banked. You know, it's, you're turning into the banking. It's positive camber. So it's, it's in your favor, right? You know, it's kind of like NASCAR where, the car wants to turn. You know, it's on this huge banking. It helps you kind of go along, right? So it's going to help the cars. It'll, you know, they'll be able to make the turn. It's just a, a matter of how safe is this going to be. And we'll see it play out. Obviously, F1, they have access to a lot more data than we do, and they know a lot more than we do. And I think it's a good sign that they didn't do it last year, citing safety. And maybe they saw enough this year to say, okay, you know, this actually is safe. And it's going to promote better racing and to give a better chance to overtake. So we'll see what happens. I, I, that's pretty much that's probably the biggest note of the weekend. I'm really interested to see how that works. Is the overtaking going to be better? Hopefully. Um, again, there's that fine line between you want overtaking to be possible. You don't want it to be artificial. I don't want cars to breeze by each other on the straight just because one has his rear wing open and the other guy's defenseless. And it's kind of what we saw. You know, I back to Spa with Max Verstappen passing Fernando Alonso. I mean, just blowing right by him like nothing Fernando could have even done. So we'll see how that goes. Obviously, the straight's not as long at Zandvoort. It's a shorter track. And, um, yeah, a little interesting cog that they threw in there at the last moment. I think it'll be good for racing as long as it's safe, you know. I think it. we start to draw that fine line between if it's possible or if it's safe. You know, I don't want drivers going into the corner and really just having to test the limit and trying to find the exact limit. And, you know, am I going to spin here? Am I not? And obviously you want them to be on the limit. You know, that's what they do. They're Formula One drivers, but I don't want them to be on the limit 
in a case where the FIA could have done something to promote their safety, right? So hopefully everything goes all well. I think it will go all well because, I mean, hey, the FIA, they're in control. They know what they're doing. They have all the data, but we'll see how that goes. So moving on to what is going to happen on the track. I mean, again, is it really going to shock anyone if Max wins this race again? It's his home race. Yes, as I mentioned, Ferrari... This should be a much better circuit for them. I think they alluded to some setup issues that they had as well. They should probably have the car in tune. It's a track that suits their car a lot better. But even if we get to a spot where your top three are Max, Charles, and Carlos, like I just think Max is just so strong this year and and lately that I just trust him to come out on top. I, I don't know what Ferrari can do anymore. I mean outside of not messing up their strategy, which they do every week. Um, oh, that, that, that's a great point, too. I forgot about that in Spa. How about, for let's rewind for a second. So Charles Leclerc in Spa, running a comfortable P5, right? I'm going to get his points. going to do great. The last lap, Ferrari call him in. They say, hey, let's put on a new set of tires, and let's go for the fastest lap. Okay, cool. You know, that's not un uncommon. A lot of people do that. We saw that a lot last year when the championship was as close as it was. Max and Lewis would often come in if they were second place and they had the pit stop behind them. They would come in, get the tires, get that extra point, right? And it did matter at the end. You know, the end of the race or end of the season last year was tied coming into the last race. So this year, Charles Leclerc running P5 makes his pit stop and you know, they have that view kind of coming, you know, looking at turn one and you see both the drivers coming, right? You see, Here's Alonzo on the track, here's Charles on the pit lane, and you're like, is he going to make it out in front of Fernando Alonso? And no, he he was not. <laughs> he did not make it out in front of Fernando Alonso. And I think it ended up being the second to last lap because he ended up having one more lap to catch him. But you're going for the fastest lap. So now he has to battle Fernando Alonso, and he finally does get past him, which is totally unnecessary. You don't want to you don't have anyone near you when you're trying to go for the fastest lap, but now he has to be concerned with passing Fernando Alonso. So he gets that done race finishes he doesn't even get the fastest lap of the race because max has just been on a different planet from everyone else and then it comes across that he was one mile per hour over on the pit lane speed trap and he was issued a five second time penalty for going over the pit lane speed limit and because he was released so close to Fernando Alonso, Alonso was within five seconds of him at the end of the race, which means that he was dropped behind Fernando and he finished down in P6. How incredibly stupid was that by Ferrari? I mean, it had been a bad race for Charles. I didn't really get too much into it because Max was just so dominant anyway. He had Lance Stroll ripped a tear off off of his visor and it goes into Charles Leclerc's brake duct. So when that safety car comes out he has to come into pit he was right behind max verstappen he has to come into pit they take the brake duct off or they take the uh the tear off out of the brake duct they put the new tires on it was just a bad race for him from the start so he already had that bad luck and he goes one mile per hour over the speed limit drops the position i mean it was just it's just like every weekend for ferrari i guess right i mean what do you what more do you expect from ferrari at this point it's when things can go bad they will and that that really is this that sums up the season quite nicely, and that explains why, as I, you know, let me check the Constructors' Championships. Ferrari are, let's see, uh, 128 points behind in the Constructors' Championship, so, or 118 points, sorry, let me give them a little credit. 
118 points behind in the Constructors' Championship right now. It's just embarrassing. And they're only 41 points ahead of Mercedes. How does that happen? You guys remember when uh, Bahrain happened and Ferrari were 1-2 and uh, Red Bull had a double DNF and everything was looking great and Ferrari were well ahead in the championship? Well, that's gone. That's that's over with now. Red Bull just running away with it. I mean, yeah, I, I it's been a it's been a season for Ferrari. If you're a Ferrari fan out there, I God bless you. You've been through a lot this <laughs> this year. Um, but yeah, so all that out of the way from last week at, at Spa, looking to Zandvoort. Hopefully, for Ferrari's sake, it's a better weekend. The track fits them a little better. Just be competitive, right? Just hang in there. Even if you don't win the race, get a podium. Max is obviously going to be the favorite. He won this track last year. He's won three in a row. He's going to be the favorite. It's his home track. I think he's going to win the race. So if I had to to pick a podium, um, I would say Max first. Max Verstappen wins the race. Charles Leclerc, P2. And if you remember, Sergio Perez had a little bit of a rough quality here last year. Kind of had to come from the back. And he had a good race. came from the back. But kind of thinking that might be maybe the same case this year. So I'm, I'm going George Russell as my third podium sitter. Maybe Sergio kind of gets caught in the midfield, finishes in that 5th to 10th range. So that's what I'll go with. I, I think Max wins. Again, I think I don't want to say it because it obviously it hurts to say, but I think the Constructors' Championship and the Drivers' Championship are out of reach Unless something incredible, incredibly bad, that is, happens to Max and Red Bull or Ferrari make a huge leap here, I just don't see it happening. Because even, I mean, think, even if Charles Leclerc wins all the rest of the races, who's going to finish in second and third? Probably Max and, and Sergio, or, or, you know, Max is going to get a lot of good finishes too. So uh, it just seems so far out of reach. Again, Max Verstappen, nine wins, 11 podiums in 14 races. It's it just incredible. And, I mean, two of the podiums he didn't get were Australia and Bahrain. The car failed on him. And then Silverstone, another car issue where, you know, he got damaged. So, I mean, you can't really really blame him on really any of those. It was just kind of bad luck weekends for him. And, obviously, some drivers like Charles Leclerc have had more bad luck weekends than Max Verstappen. But Max has been there every other time he can be. And he's just been putting the car in the right place on Saturdays, on Sundays, and he's just dominating. What can you say? And you look, obviously he has nine wins and eight races to go. The record is 13. Sebastian Vettel in 2013 and Michael Schumacher in 2004 both had 13 wins in those seasons. I think Max is a pretty good bet to beat that. I mean, don't you? It's nine wins. He needs four to tie it, right? There's eight races left. He could very well win four of the next eight races. He needs five to overtake it. Yeah, it's going to be hard, but you know we're into the second half of the season. A lot of these big updates have already come and gone. If the cars are kind of what they are going to be for the rest of the season, then I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility at all. And remember 2013, Sebastian Vettel won nine races in a row to end the season. So there's nine races after the summer break. Max Verstappen has won the first one. See if he can maybe win the next eight. You never know. It was a young kid in a Red Bull, you know, chasing another championship. That's basically what we have again this season with Max Verstappen. So it's going to be a fun rest of the season regardless. We're either going to get to see 
a miraculous championship comeback. We're going to get to see some history with Max Verstappen doing his thing. And it all starts, uh, or it continues rather, started last week, the second half in Belgium. But we're here now. Continues in Zandvoort this week. It should be a fun one. Let me know what your podium predictions are, what you think is going to happen in the race. As, as always, follow me down there on social media, uh, to all the socials on Instagram, Twitter, maybe Twitch. You know, I'm, I'm trying to I'm experiment and we'll see what I'm doing over there on Twitch. And again, follow me on Twitter because uh, you know I've recently started writing for Last Word on Sports, their motorsports section, doing a lot of F1, NASCAR stuff over there. I'm always posting the articles, so if you want some more written content, you can go over there and check that out. Did a preview, actually, for Zandvoort this weekend as well, in written form, as well as this podcast. So if you want to go check that out, you're more than welcome to over there on my Twitter or Instagram. And we'll see you uh, for the post-race review of Zandvoort. Hopefully it's a good one. Hopefully it's not a snooze fest like Belgium was. That was not really fun for anyone, unless you're a Max Verstappen or Red Bull fan. But... Hopefully we get a good race, and I'll see you back there after this weekend. Take care.